0: Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're going to be talking about Shards of Honor by Lois McMaster Bujold. So
1: this is a new feature that we're going to be aiming to do monthly, um, maybe more often than that, we'll see, where we talk
0: about a book we consider romance adjacent. So this is usually a book, well, this these are definitely books that we enjoy, but that are not romance novels in the strictest sense of the word. They wouldn't be put with the romance novels in a library. Exactly, but there is some kind of strong romance element, at least we feel that the romance element is strong enough to hook us in. Right,
1: And to warrant discussion in terms of where romance gets to fall within the pantheon of literature and why sometimes it's taken seriously and why sometimes it's an afterthought and sort of dive into what makes romance appealing even outside of a romance novel. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then why is it weird for someone to say, oh, I really like reading romance novels, whereas they might say, oh, I really like to read um, sci-fi that maybe has a romantic element in it. Or even in the case of the book we're going to be talking about today, I would argue it's predominantly a romance. Oh, I mean, I have actually described this book as a gothic romance in space. I mean, to me, this like kind of encapsulates what this book is. I am also not the originator of that phrase. I don't know who came up with it. I read it somewhere and I thought, yes, this is what this book is. But if you went to find it in a library, it would be in the sci-fi section. Exactly. And so I think with our reviews,
1: while we'll be talking about the book as a whole, mm-hmm. we're going to be focusing on the romantic plot lines. It'll be a, we'll talk about the book as a whole a little bit clearly and like give it a recommended or not recommended. We're not going to be talking about books in this segment that are hot, but otherwise bad. Right. Those, they, I mean, <laughs> those we're, we'll talk about in the rest of the series. Right. <laughs> uh, but so with these, we're going to be talking a little bit about the extenuating plot that makes it good, but we really are going to be focusing on the romantic plots.
0: Exactly. Uh, So Shards of Honor, why did we pick Shards of Honor? Uh, Like I said, I've called this a gothic romance in space. Just a little bit of history about the book. This is actually uh, Lois McMaster-Bujold's first written and published novel, which, uh, I mean, in comparison with the rest of her work, I guess you could probably tell that it was the first, but I think it's just so well written. I I don't know how she came up with this as like her first book. I think it's so great. I had
1: no idea actually until right now that this was her first novel ever and I am very impressed. Mm
0: Mm-hmm and this we're going all the way back to 1986 for when the book was published so just an fyi on that one so this is the first in the vorkosigan saga that's right and how many books are in the series oh gosh uh i I think about 14 books are in the series so this is the very first this is this is the first that was written and it's the first in the vorkosigan timeline there is one that's set um about two or three hundred years earlier than this one Uh, That's not set on Baryar, which is the planet where the Vorkosigans are from. But it's in the same universe. Okay. Uh, But anyway, this is the first one in the series. And this is the one that I think most people would recommend that you start with when you start reading the series anyway. So, and we're not going to be talking about every single book in the series. Because not every single one of them focuses on a romance plot. Right. But there are three or four that that really is the main focus. Um, and by romance plot what I'm really talking about is a, a couple that gets together and the end of the book ends with a happy ending. For them. For them. So that's what I mean by a romantic plot. And so like we could be talking about Jane Eyre having a romantic plot. We could be talking about any of Jane Austen's novels having a romantic plot. So. Some people have argued that those are like the original romance novels. Um, So in that sense, I would say this is a romance novel in that the focus is these two characters getting together, overcoming some kind of conflict so that they can end up happy. Yes, the romantic plot line between the two main characters, who we'll introduce in a moment,
1: is definitely what drives the plot forward. Exactly. So uh, we're going to
0: do the book jacket like we usually do. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's the book jacket. It's very short compared to some of the others. When Cordelia Naismith and her survey crew are attacked by a renegade group from Berriar, she is taken prisoner by Errol Vorkosigan, commander of the Berriaran ship that has been taken over by an ambitious and ruthless crew member. Errol and Cordelia survive countless mishaps while their mutual admiration and even stronger feelings emerge. Accurate? but so
1: underselling
0: it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is accurate. I like that it doesn't give away the plot because this, this book can be separated into three segments. There's the first part where they meet and um, what happens in the book jacket happens, so they basically um, foil a mutiny. Uh, Then there's a second part of the book that we'll talk about more that happens sort of on the battlefield, so in a war. And then there's a third part of the book which is the aftermath of the war. Right. Um, So this really only talks about the first part. It doesn't talk about the second or third parts at all. But I think in some ways it's
1: misleading because what I think Bujol does so well is universe building and world building and the interpersonal connection. And so talking only about these two people coming together to solve a mutiny and falling in love makes it sound a lot simpler yeah. than her geopolitical world yeah. building actually is. Yeah.
0: Her world building is amazing. I think she does such such a good job with it. So this this is science fiction. I know we just said it was romance, but it is primarily science fiction you get the sense of the different political systems of these specifically two different worlds. So Cordelia is from Beta Colony and Errol is from Beriar. So back up a little. Yeah. This is set in the
1: future. Yes. Earth is no longer inhabitable.
0: No, Earth is, Earth is inhabited. Sorry. Earth is inhabited, but Earth has colonized other yeah. planets. Exactly. So there are... Dozens, if not hundreds, of of other worlds now that have been colonized. And it's been so long that the worlds have their own cultures. But they're all fundamentally human. So yes. this isn't about
1: aliens. Exactly. This is about humans that have colonized other planets. And it's interesting because Beta Colony, where Cordelia Naismith is from has certain elements of our civilization that you'd recognize. Yeah. Uh, sort of an em- emphasis on pacifism
0: and democracy. Yeah, pacifism, liberal democracy, science. It's like a Midwestern world that's like very scientific. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So like people are polite. Um, people, would they don't go to jail. They go to therapy. You know, um, there's, if they want to have a baby, they take parenting classes before they're allowed to have a child. So things like that. And then it's licensed. And
1: mm-hmm. and it's kind of evidenced by the fact that she's the commander of a survey ship. Exactly. Her objective at the beginning of this novel is to command a crew to a little... A, a, um, little explored, not Ex- little known, but little explored planet. Exactly.
0: So she actually discovers this planet, and their job is to survey it to find out like what's the new biology on this planet, topographical conditions. Exactly. So she, her mission is a peaceful mission of exploration. So it's very Star Trekky, <laughs> and so by contrast, Bariyar is
1: more. I don't want to say primitive because it's not. It's a modern society, but it's very governed by old families. Of there's a more rigid social hierarchy. Exactly. Women's, you know, and men have babies the way
0: we think of it exactly. in the modern day. Um, so, so Barriar was one of the early word, worlds that was colonized, but then the wormhole that led to Berriar collapsed, mm-hmm. and so Berriar was isolated from the rest of the the galaxy uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. They call it the time of isolation. And when this book is set, they've come out of the time of isolation, they've been out of the time of isolation for about um, 100 years. So it's very patriarchal. Yes.
1: Whereas Beta Colony is much more gender equal. Exactly. Uh, Berriar is also a lot more militaristic. Yes, they're extremely militaristic. And at this point, they're interested in... Like colonizing other planets themselves, right? So Errol is Errol Vorkosigan, who's Barry Aaron,
0: is on a military ship. Exactly. So he they so they meet up on this planet that that no one's really settled. So the planet has not been settled or anything like that. And they meet up on this planet. One of them, Errol, uh, is leading a military mission because they want to use this as a base to invade a different world. And she is on there. So her Beta, Baton mission is just to survey the world and, and, you know, add to the knowledge of the human race, basically. Right. And neither is superior. Right. I think in the eyes
1: of Bujold. Like, I think she thinks each society took some good and some bad from Mm -hmm. our modern world, but went in completely opposite directions. Yeah, And that gets very evidenced later on. I'm going to warn everybody now talking about this without spoilers is going to be really hard because this yeah. is a book that I just want to hand to you and tell you to read it. It's it's so good you guys. It's really really good. So I think Love we'll be talking a lot about like big picture and then specific. And adding specificity only in terms of their interactions with one another. Yeah. Because as we said, this is a romance novel. Spoiler, spoiler alert: they end up together. Right. And I'm I'm okay, kind of spoiling some of that, but I really don't want to spoil spoil the wider plot because it's yeah. just so good. It's really good, and it's not predictable. No, no, I really don't. Think and so. I really want any of our listeners who are having the experience of reading this for the first time to get to go in with sort of a clear mind.
0: Yeah. So before we go on to talk a little bit more about the book, we do want to mention one trigger warning. Um, So as you know, in our normal reviews, sometimes we'll talk about um, the offensiveness factor. I don't want to use that here because I don't really think there's a way that it's offensive, but it is something that could trigger somebody if they read the book.
1: Right. So romance novels, we like to talk about the offensiveness factor because of how often romance novel tropes can veer into anti-feminism especially. Yes. Whereas when we're reviewing novels that aren't explicitly romance novels, there's just so many different ways to judge them that we don't want to use that metric. Exactly. I'm going to talk about this because usually this is my thing. Yeah. Uh, There is a scene where Cordelia is in danger of being raped. Mm -hmm. And she is saved, but there's also other mention of rape amongst the prisoners during a war. Yeah. I think it's handled really well, and it did not bother me at all. Partially because it wasn't reductive. It wasn't used to define the character. Mm Mm-hmm. Partially because it did move the plot forward. This is not a situation where the threat of rape is used because it's the worst thing that can happen to Cordelia in that moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This is, it gives you evidence to the character of two different male characters, mm-hmm. three different male characters, really. Um, I think it's authentic mm-hmm. in the context of war to talk about what happens to POWs yeah. and especially female POWs. I think it's evidence of the Barry in Society.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: yes. Uh, I think like this is one of the negative things pulled over from a patriarchal agrarian um, aristocratic society. Mm-hmm. So it, it serves the plot here, not just as a way to define her. In fact, not really as a way to define her at all.
0: No, it's really more. It is it, really more about how the society is going to be dealing with this issue more than how she is going to have to deal with it on a personal level right and so because it really does serve a purpose here
1: it didn't bother me but if you're someone who can't stand sexual violence of any kind because it's triggering for you it is discussed very frankly and Bajol's a great writer so you're really afraid for Cordelia in that moment it is not like glossed over it is it's not eroticized at all it's scary as hell
0: yes it is Um, I will say that Cordelia goes on to forgive her attacker so uh, there are many novels where this would be completely unforgivable and probably something that I wouldn't be able to handle but the way that it is done is really uh, just really well written and and you really understand what's going on and why so, right. Yeah. He ultimately doesn't go through with it.
1: Yes. And he didn't want to go through with it in the first place. And that's all I'll say about that because it's very plot central. Yeah. But it is not a situation where this was a bad person who was knowingly and wantingly attacking her. Yeah. So. Um. So, yeah, just just something to note right off the bat in case that's something that you really can't handle. But I wouldn't. Stop that! it didn't bother me, and it's certainly not a reason for me not to read this book. I yeah. have reread it subsequently. Yeah. So, let's talk about um, the two main characters and their love story, and why this is romance adjacent, yeah. and how hot they both are. Great.
0: <laughs> let's. Let's talk about it. And, you know, I, a lot of times we'll talk about romantic tropes. I want to talk about it a little bit here because I don't think that there are tropes. But I do think that she pulls from the history of like historical romances. I mean, that's kind of tropes. Yeah, right? But to inform the book. So if you have read romances, then I think you'll really enjoy certain parts of the book. Mm-hmm. So for example, again, look, we know they end up together. We know that he wants to marry her, okay? He is, um, oh, so are, there are lords and counts. So he is Lord again. And when he asks her to marry him, he says he would like her to be his Lady Vorkosigan. So, just one example, like, this is very historical romance, in my opinion. Um, I think it's great. Uh, another time, for example, he goes to visit her on the spaceship. They're on a spaceship, he goes to visit her in her cabin, and when he goes in, he props the door open so that everyone outside, all his crew knows that whatever is going on inside is like totally innocent, like nothing sexual or bad or anything is going on inside this cabin. There are some looks. Very longing, heated looks, but that's it at least on at that spaceship point. Um, <laughs> on that spaceship on that spaceship <laughs> um he is he is like a bad boy he has the worst reputation in the galaxy right so
1: this is not a spoiler cuz this is all stuff from like well before his he's known as the butcher of komar yeah so he's known as the general who've led this invasion that slaughtered all of these innocent people, yeah, and so she knows him by name when yeah. she encounters him, and she,
0: so she meets and she's like, "This is Vorco, and she thinks to her like, "Oh shit, yeah, you know? like this
1: is a bad dude, and of course,
0: it's he wasn't the one in charge of it
1: in, in. the way she thinks he was exactly.
0: Um, he would never have countenanced uh, um, killing civilians or anything like that, so and he even makes choices that she gets to witness in
1: a military capacity throughout this novel to save the lives of many people. He's forced to into a lot of prisoner dilemma type situations yeah. and a lot of um, what is the greatest good and what does the least harm. Yes. And sometimes that means letting people die or letting bad things happen. But only to serve the ultimate purpose of right. saving more lives. Right. So it's not that it's unambiguous or black and white, but he is definitely not the monster she
0: thinks he is. Right. So you know this. We've talked about this many times, but the bad boy—he's just not quite as bad as you think he is. Although Errol is—he has done some bad stuff in his life, especially in his youth. So he's a little older. Yes, he's in his forties. Um, he brags that he's the fittest man on his ship over forty, and. Then he says, yes, there are only two of us. <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean he's not fit, you guys. He's very fit. He's short. He's short. He's not, yeah, he's short. He's not like super short. But it's something she notes about him. Yes. That he's like super
1: masculine, super fit, clearly, like hot and a little bit of a... Like stocky, but like built. Yeah, stocky. Yeah. But she notes that he is shorter than the average man. Yes.
0: Uh, and then she is I think very much like a romance heroine she's 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 not beautiful but she has this you know captivating vitality about her she's compelling yes yes she's very compelling Um, she's very smart Uh, she takes the initiative a lot which which is great like I just I just love Cordelia I think Cordelia like truly when I grew up I'm going to be Cordelia Naismith you know like I've said this many a time since I've read this book. Like, she is an aspirational figure for me. Have you ever seen the movie Somewhere in Time?
1: No. So it starts Christopher uh Christopher Reeves and I have seen Jane Seymour.
0: I have seen this. Oh my gosh. Yes, I have I'm seen. I'm named this. after that
1: movie. Funnily <laughs> enough, Elise McKenna is the main character. My middle name's Elise. Um and I'm not kidding, my parents picked it for that reason, but I'm very much picturing her, the uh, Jane Seymour mm, in that movie. Yeah. Like that's how I see Cordelia yeah. is like that kind of pinned up old-fashioned hair. And maybe it's just because of the one cover I yeah. saw. But like clearly Jane Seymour's lovely. Yeah. But sort of I think she's more compelling than just pretty. And so,
0: like, that's, she is the Cordelia Naismith of my mind. Um, There's, and Lane touched on this a little bit, and, of course, the title of this book is Shards of Honor. Like, honor is, like, super important to both of them. Yes. Um, And it's, but it's not, like, hokey. No. Like, it's this is not a romance novel that you're reading. It's like, oh, I have to defend your honor. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Like, just Being ethical, being a good person and making good choices. And recognizing where your social
1: obligations or military obligations might be at odds with one another. And like sort of doing the best you can and acting ethically when it's
0: not black and white. Exactly. This is the book where she will do everything she can to like save him but she can't be with him so it kind of like Jane Eyre a little Mm -hmm. bit you know like she loves him so much but she just couldn't be with him um, because it would violate her ideas of honor and so she has to leave him so it's not the same situation at all he does not have a wife that he's keeping in an attic but there's like kind of a similar situation you know what I mean where she she removes herself from the situation so that she's not tempted to be with him. You know what I mean? Right. So the two countries end up in conflict with one another. Correct. So they end up separated by virtue of right. international she, conflict. Yeah. So she's like, I'm a, I'm a Baden uh, military member. I mean, she's a survey captain, but I mean, that's technically their military. military. So she's like, and I, I cannot uh, legitimately stay as his prisoner of war just because I want to visit him at his home in his chambers. Right! (laughs) At Vorkosigan Sirlo. His estate. Yeah. Which is very much an English manner. Oh, it's great. It's great. And of course they've got like, he's got like, uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much uh, because this comes in the next book that we'll talk about. But he invites her to go to Vorkosigan Sirlo, which is, you know, like the the summer estate. Um, And again, this is the world building. Like she does such an amazing job. So the, the world barrier, you go on to find out that it was um, colonized by four main countries. Um, but of them was an English-speaking country, Russia, um, France, or a French-speaking country, and then a Greek-speaking country. So those are the four. So, of course, Vorkosigan Surlo, that comes from Vorkosigan syrlo Vorkosigan Vorkosogon-On-The-Water. So this estate, you know, is on the lake and you can just tell she thought of
1: everything it's definitively a book that you get something new from rereading every time there's just so many layers to it um but so there's one other trope which is um he has a previous relationship yes well he has a few previous relationships that actually come into play uh but one is with a wife in Mm -hmm. his past and he did at some point get very jealous and have to duel for her honor yes he
0: dueled for her honor several duels two two i think two but i wouldn't be surprised if he also had another duel after that because after those duels he like went on a drunken tear of barry and society which which is back when he was like 18. yeah yeah 18 or 20 something like that um so he went on like this drunken like these drunken lost years of his life In his youth, you know, when he was out on the town, just like drinking, carousing. That part of his character exists in so many romance novels. Right? You know, he's the reformed rake. (laughs) Except with a twist, because... Errol is explicitly bisexual, and during that time when he went on this drunken, carousing, scandalizing society, his main relationship was with a man. And said man is... A bad dude he's a bad dude I mean at the time he probably wasn't he was still unformed he was same ages as as Errol but in the current time like we meet him and he is real bad he he is a true bad boy as in like not a bad boy he's a true evil person right and so both Beta Colony and Barry are as planets get a
1: little bit exposed in the way that they're Mm Governing bodies are letting down the people. Yeah. And so the the man that Errol was involved with is now a part of the Barriaran regime. Right. And so he's part of what is the bad
0: influence in Errol's country. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I just really like that this... And again, this was written in 1986. This mm-hmm. was written in 1986. And the hero, this romantic hero of this book, is explicitly bisexual. He kisses another man in the book. He talks about this old public, you know, relationship that he's he's ashamed of what he did at the time, I think, for being this drunken, lout, and, like, scandalizing society. And getting involved with this irreputable person. This specific person, but I don't think he's ashamed of
1: being bisexual. No, and also, something I really liked is bisexuality isn't... Fetishized or hypersexualized? Mm-hmm. Like he's not any less monogamous or into Cordelia. They never have a discussion about like what his bisexuality means for their relationship. Oh, never. And he doesn't hide that he's bisexual from her at yeah. all. It's just that it's never presented as like, well, bisexual people are
0: just so wild and have so many needs. Yeah. And it's not at is, all. It's just a fact of his character. He's in love with Cordelia. Moving yeah. on. And and he is like the most honorable person. Ever. Again, this book is named Shards of Honor. Okay. (laughs) Just letting you know, just pushing on that theme. Um, One thing we haven't talked about is just how funny it is. Like her books are just really funny. Um, It's this hilarious, but somehow it's like this understated humor that I really like it because it's very um, Midwestern in my opinion. And when I say that, I mean, it's not like, it's not cutting. Like, she doesn't make fun of everyone. It's not ironic. So you're not reading this, like, with this, like, biting irony. It's just, like, kind of self-deprecating, but, like, really funny. And it doesn't... It's a not, little wry. A little wry. It doesn't come from situations. So it's not, like, situational humor. It's very much, like, what the characters are thinking. Um, and so it's also illustrates the characters, um, how funny she is because, so this is, um, this book is written third person, but it's not omniscient. It's third person limited all from Cordelia's point of view. So everything you see is filtered through Cordelia's perceptions. And
1: one of my most telling marks of a talented author, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this a lot is a, An author who is able to give you a limited viewpoint... Yeah. ...that still informs the reader of more than the character knows. There are so many times in limited narrator books... ...where I feel like the character whose perspective I'm most attuned to... ...knows things there is absolutely no way they would be observing. Yes. And so I think that the mark of a very talented writer... ...is that they can have the main character telling you what they're seeing... ...and what they believe about what they're seeing... But letting that description of the surroundings inform the reader of more than the yeah, character
0: picked up on. Exactly. And yeah.
1: Bujold is so good at that. She,
0: she does a great... There's a part in this book where Cordelia is stuck in this tiny little cabin on a spaceship. So she's stuck in there. She cannot leave this cabin. And yet, you know what's going on around her. Um, you know what's going on in the plot. And it's, it's super believable. Like it's just very well done. I also want to
1: talk about this sexiness and this like makeouts and okay. all of that, just because we're us and that sure is, why not? That's the theme of what we do. The longing in this book is mm-hmm. so palpable, and I mean like these people in the beginning of the book are in the woods with no showers, <laughs> bloody, carrying along a
0: severely injured man. Mm-hmm. So there's a, what we're saying here is there's no time for dalliance. They they don't they can't just like slip out in the back of the woods and like. And
1: I feel like a less talented author might have chosen to have them do that anyway, mm-hmm. which would have been completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But instead, you're you want to talk about believing two people are falling in love. Yeah. Even when the situations are not sexy. This book, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean they, they fall in love with This this conversation it around a campfire in the dark, so they can't like look in each other's eyes, and it's like becomes this like confessional conversation. It's just it's just great. And that's in the first you know, part of the book,
1: they fall in love is what we're saying. It's a spoiler, <laughs> right? Uh, but and then even what goes on on the ship mm-hmm. with him mm-hmm. hiding her mm-hmm. and
0: there's just so. But by the time they do finally kiss, and it's it's one kiss, ladies and gentlemen, one kiss in this book. In this book, well, there's. There's more, but but by the time they finally kiss once, yeah. This is, what we're saying is like it's not a makeup session. It's not like a prelude to more. It this is a farewell kiss, and it is amazing. lines
1: <laughs> It's. I mean, it's great. It's really it feels amazing. so earned and so passionate, and it, it's just so well built up. Yeah. And you feel everything the characters are feeling in that moment. And it's very hot.
0: Yeah. it's And and also like really pulls at your heartstrings. Yes. Because again, this is the final kiss. It's not. (laughs) But I mean, you believe that it is. Like if I reread this book, I still am like dashing tears from my eyes. Because like it is so compelling and like so touching. So good. And then when...
1: The lovers are reconciled and reunited. Mm-hmm. Bujold is not writing a romance novel, no. so she's not getting overly graphic. But I think the honesty and the fun that yeah. is incorporated into their romantic liaisons brings so much. Yeah, that even when she's less graphic, I still feel how like hot and tense the moments are, really palpably. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. You you feel how much they want each other and because it's like this subsumed desire for for most of the book when they finally are able to indulge in it it's just really it it feels great for you as a reader too yes you know so
1: overall i don't want to say any more about even the sexiness because it's so integral to the plot yeah that i feel like if i really got into the details of like the the good bits yeah i would be spoiling something and so exactly. i don't want to do that because dear reader dear listener I want you to read this book.
0: Yes, this book highly recommended. I like, like literally, guys. What I do is I buy this book. So you can buy this book in a um, two pack, an omnibus edition, they call it. So it's Shards of Honor and Barry R, which we will be talking about soon. Um, probably next month we'll be talking about it, but Um, in that omnibus edition is called Cordelia's Honor so if you're looking if you're at a used bookstore and you see kind of a thickish book that's called Cordelia's Honor buy it whenever I see it I buy it and I give it out like candy like I throw it at people like I've gotten at least through a third um to 50 percent of our office to read this book just because I I hand them out to them. Meg is a bit evangelical about this book. Yes. I, I, I guys, I love this book. I love it so much. It's so, so good. highly recommended. So good. And if you want to support Bujold, you know, she's still, she's a living writer, working writer. Um, and she owns all the rights to the digital editions. So yes, I buy all these used books and I give them out like confetti. But if you like If this sounds like something you would like, I would also encourage you to buy it. I have. I
1: bought the first one. It's on my Kindle. Yeah.
0: And because she gets like almost 100% of the the, the rights belong to her now. So she doesn't have to pay a publisher for it. She's also a badass. Like as a person. She's amazing. So she's Um, great. I have nothing else to say other than five out of five. (laughs) Five out of five spaceships out of five spaceships. Five hearts out of five hearts. This book is great. You should read it.
1: And I'll do my best when we get this episode posted to put on Instagram like the order of the series.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just so you guys
1: can see and and reference that sort of Shards of Honor as Cordelia's Honor
0: confusion in case you ever do find it to buy it. Exactly. So So thank you guys so much for listening. This was a really fun episode. It's just so nice to talk about a book that I, that, I just recommend to everyone because I just recommend it to you too. I mean, it's wonderful.
1: Let's get it on the bestseller list on Amazon. Let's do it. Thanks, uh rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. As always, we can be reached at PlotTris at gmail.com and at PlotTris on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. Look at us expanding. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.